from a polling perspective, it's a little bit like if I asked you, are you going to eat the mashed potatoes before the stuffing on Thanksgiving? You might tell me mm. what you think you might do. You might tell me what you think I want to hear if you thought <laughs> I had a strong feeling about that. Or you might tell me something that, you know, you just have a strong feeling today about, and that's going to change. My point is what we're seeing in the polling is going to change. Yeah. And yes, you are seeing in the polling that the Democrat coalition is wandering. Hi, hello, how are you? How you doing? Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast Live. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini, on this lovely Tuesday. Another uh, electoral Tuesday. Electoral Tuesday. It is the New Hampshire primary. And if you're listening to this in the future or the past or the present, it truly is just Trump. Like, just, okay, Trump, um, just soup for brains, Trump. Um, and that's pretty much the extent of the analysis that we need. However, today we're going to be joined by Tom Bonnier um, of Target Smart um, uh, Data, Target Smart Data, uh, polling group company. I don't know. He's been on the show before. He's great. He's going to explain what the hell is going on in terms of the primaries, uh, why the primaries look the way they do, why they're organized the way they're organized, and especially why is Biden not actually running in a primary race? Why has he been left off of his name been left off? And a lot of statewide party, Democratic Party apparatus basically completely um, structured the primary to support him. In fact, today, New Hampshire, automatically those delegates will be pledged to Joe Biden. We'll get into all that. Also, Ooh, big Ron, big Ron. The meatball could not roll into the Tuesday primary. So meatball Ron is out and we'll talk about that um, with my second guest, Yamanika Saunders. So excited to have her back. Um, if you don't know her, I hope you walk away a fan because I am. So uh, we're going to talk about that. And then uh, we will talk about uh, an interesting interview that doesn't always happen on mainstream news. Joanne Reed interviewed the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, who, whose name I don't care about. But anyway, it is a great little slice of how we should actually be doing these interviews. Um, and it is it's just I just can't wait to break it down. So stay tuned for that. And then final segment, we're going to we, we're bringing a new a new segment every we, we stop piloting new segments. We're going to do a new segment today uh, called heckling for good or good hecklers, we'll call them. And this is people who are uh, taking it to power holders in the streets. Um, and uh, it's fun. It's been it's been a fun week, actually, for people actually uh, bird dogging our elected officials. So if you're here, make sure you're liking and sharing the stream. If you're listening as a podcast, make sure you give this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get it. Um, make sure you become a patron. Oh, my God. Friday's show was fire. It was very long, but it was good. You guys know uh, every Friday there's a bonus bish. If you are a patron, you get access to it after the fact in your ear holes, in your eye holes. So video, audio, um, you get a special little uh, icon for the Bituation Room. It's rainbow. It's super cute. You get all your regular shows, Tuesday shows on there, and then the Friday bonus show. We went into uh, Bibi Netanyahu saying from the river to the sea, uh, kill me. Um, it was quite good there god what else do we do we talk about everything on friday so um you know 
get access to that. You can also become a member on YouTube or Twitch to get access to those bonus episodes. But mostly, and this is, I don't know how to tell you this, the show is completely ad-free. Unless you're on YouTube and, you you know, there's some pre-roll ads. I've got nothing to do with it and honestly make very little money off of that. But um, the show is ad-free. The way to support is to become a patron. The show is affiliated with different organizations, with TYT, with the American Prospect, um, which, by the way, if you become a patron, you get discounts on that awesome magazine that I write for. But none of those entities give me cash money money, which helps the small but mighty team that puts this podcast together every single week. So... Become a patron, patreon.com slash situation room, and thank you in advance. Also, quick announcement, our show in San Francisco is sold out, but there will be tickets available at the door. I think like a handful, maybe 10 or 15 are released the night of, I think an hour before the show starts, so around 6 p.m. If you're here in San Francisco or there in San Francisco, um, you could still probably get in. But if you completely missed out, but you want to see me, you want to hang, you want to see the new jokes I've been working on, Saturday night, I'm at the Lost Church, which is a venue in, I think, North Beach. Uh, Nato Green and myself, Dialectomy Narayanan and Corinda Dobbins, both veteran uh, guests of the Bituation Room. It's a night of political stand-up. <laughs> We're going to laugh, but learn. And that's exactly how it's going to be presented. But... um. Get tickets to that. It's There should be a description in the bio or the, you know, down below where all the things are. The show notes. Come out. Let's hang. It'll be such a good night. And with that, guys, let's get into it. So much to do. Uh, this is What Are You Bitching About? I can't believe I took 10 minutes to do all this. <sighs> so this little um, clip from Joe Biden came out last week uh, after weeks of bombing Houthi rebels inside of Yemen, who, uh, mind you, there's been a 10-year war um, between Houthi rebels and the Yemeni government, Yemeni government supported by Saudi Arabia, also supported by a lot of U.S. weaponry um, for decades now, led to mass starvation, also about 330,000 killed in that war, uh, a legitimate war, unlike what is happening in Gaza, which is very much a one-sided assault. Um, but, you know, I was like, let me let me do some research on the Houthis. So we'll get into who they are and, and what, what the hell. But the question I think we all have is, is what's going on? Why are we bombing them? And is this going to help anything? In fact, I'm a little bit scared that it's going to hurt anything. Well, don't worry, because our president, Joe Biden, was very confident in speaking to reporters about the strategy behind bombing Yemen. Take a listen. Are the airstrikes in Yemen working? Well, when you say working, are they stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? Yes. Are they stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? Yes. And in a nutshell, American foreign policy, specifically in the Middle East. Um, a little bit of background. How have we been launching these attacks? Um, it's with the support of the UK um, and like Holland, I believe, since Jan 11th. Uh, we've launched multiple rounds of smaller scale attacks against the, quote, imminent threat from Houthi anti-ship missile sites that we're preparing to fire against international shipping over the past week, according to the Pentagon. But those strikes have failed to deter militants from continuing to attack commercial vessels transiting the Red Sea of the Gulf and the Gulf of Aden. Now, no one's been killed 
in Houthi attacks on these cargo ships, right? This is commerce. This is money. This is we got to get all of our goods and services and our shake weights on time, you know? Um, Houthis have attacked uh, at least 33 commercial vessels using a range of weapons, crews, ballistic missiles, drones, rockets. The threat to shipping in one of the most vital trade arteries has significantly impacted the global economy, leading to more than 14 shipping companies to halt their Red Sea operations. Um, this is from an anonymous general, American general, who said, our aim remains to de-escalate tensions and restore stability in the Red Sea. Tight, tight, tight. How are you going to do that? Is it, are you going to like address why the Houthis are doing this? Are you going to, are you going to ask? Because it's about Palestine. You going to, is that on your mind at all? Is that, are you going to call for a ceasefire? Um, no, uh, we will not hesitate to defend lives and free flow of commerce in one of the world's most critical waterways. Yes, again, if I haven't used this analogy on this show, this is the, um, you know, the, when, when a rock goes through a Louis Vuitton window during a massive Black Lives Matter march, you will see more police presence than ever before. Uh, Never mind what the protest is about, but if private property is threatened, that is when the military gets involved and when forces actually get involved. Um, so uh, there, there's a former Middle East actually peace negotiator who uh, said this to Politico, basically said, the longer all this goes on, and in effect, these attacks on the Houthis, the higher the chance of the Houthis killing Americans on a commercial ship or Iran-backed proxies killing American forces in Iraq and Syria. At that point, Miller argued, the U.S. will have, quote, no choice but to strike Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, Tehran's assets in the Gulf or targets inside Iran proper. In other words, we're playing with fire here. Now, I did, again, a little bit of background research. There's a really excellent um, piece by um, Nicholas Broomfield, who's a research, uh, a researcher, Middle East researcher, and his this article from Foreign Policy Research Institute was really helpful in explaining that, like, the Houthi rebels were kind of like, they, there was a truce between them and Saudi Arabia. The, the areas they controlled were kind of getting out of hand. They weren't happy with like the leadership. But then Israel attacked Gaza. Israel has been conducting genocide on the Palestinian people. And Houthis not only organized like massive pro-Palestine rallies, but now are doing these actions, which, again, haven't claimed lives, but are definitely hurting the global economy in defense of Palestinians. And, yeah, they've even launched attacks at Israel. They've recruited more Houthi fighters with the promise that they're going to go fight Israelis, which is or the Israeli army, which is wild. Right. So they're having their moment, you know, to be like, number one, we're the only motherfuckers actually doing something about this. And number two, we're using this to kind of like, you know, tighten our like political stance um, and our uh, uh, popularity here among the Yemeni people who are incredibly pro-Palestine. So there's that. And I, and if all of this sounds uh, head spinning and difficult, um, leave it to Miriam Francoise, who or Francois, I'm sorry, the S is silent. I do not speak French. But uh, Miriam Francois, who I believe is a reporter for Al Jazeera English, was on Sky News. And oh my God, listen to the way this woman breaks down how we should end this scuffle with the Houthis, how we can have commerce free-flowing and, and all hunky-dory uh, and also just completely own this interview or take a look. 
Sorry, so just let me get this straight, Yelda. So we are bombing the poorest, one of the poorest countries in the world that has been under a humanitarian blockade. There has been famine. These people have been decimated. And we are bombing them because a couple of guys in dinghies in support for the Palestinians who are having a genocide committed against them. They're objecting to that and we're bombing them. Come on now. I mean, well, this it, is I, just an insane world for us to even think. I'm so sorry your Amazon packages are delayed. I really am. Like, I wish mine came on time. But, you know, genocide, guys, genocide. There are two mothers a day dying in Gaza right now. It's 109 days into a conflict in which a humanitarian crisis has been declared to the world day but by in, the way, day out. Uh, by the way, Dr. Francois, there are many who are Yemen watchers who, are, who monitor and follow the Houthis who say this is doing wonders for their branding, actually, mm -hmm. that it isn't just the Palestinian cause that they're focused on. So call a ceasefire now and end the positive branding. If you want to stop the Houthis doing what they're doing, then call a Do ceasefire right now. Do you the Houthis would, would stop doing what they're doing? If they have literally said that that's why they're doing what they're doing. They have not previously blocked those routes for any other reason except this one. Exactly. Um, so I just love that. Oh, yeah, you want to end the positive branding? Ceasefire now. Just do a ceasefire and it'll stop. Um, and the Houthis actually are fairly strategic about who they strike, which ships they strike, how close to get to those ships, right? A lot of this isn't the, sh the attack, uh, like a missile doesn't land on the cargo ship, but around the cargo ship. They're basically scaring them, right? Um, but no, let's keep bombing. Is it having an effect, Mr. President, sir? No. Cool, cool, cool. This is, this is you know, every world war, every war truly has, uh, has um, we've bumbled into it. Maybe not the, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan felt a little bit more planned, if I'm going to be honest, but a lot of other wars have been like, we just sort of stumble into it, especially uh, when it comes to the Middle East. Um, that's what I'm bitching about. Why? Why are we attacking Houthis? Why are we making this situation even more volatile? Um, why are we only sticking up for commerce and for, yes, Amazon packages and not people's lives? With that, let me bring in my next guest. Uh, she's a stand-up comic, actor, and WJ award-winning writer. You might have seen her on Comedy Central as Maya or as Maya on Life and Beth. She's performing at the Comedy Cellar in New York this Sunday night. Don't miss her. Yamanika Saunders. Yamanika. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Welcome back. Very informative. Thank you for, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> I, you know, I'm just a dumb comic. <laughs> but it's, no. uh, it's you know what's happening in the world. We're smarter than I think average people. I feel like comics are always saying they're dumb, but we know deep down, you know you're not dumb. No, but we have our own opinions that sometimes are dumb. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But that's just because we need an angle on something on stage. You gotta have something yeah. to write about, yes. something to get mad about. But um, Yamanika, we always start this show off the same way, which is, what are you bitching about? Mm -hmm. um, so I put it to you. What is crawled under your skin this fine Tuesday? You know, I... Yeah. And and remember, I'm on the uh, black side of Instagram and Twitter, which is very fun. You should dive in there sometimes. <laughs> you got a setting? Can I just change it? Like when you change your phone screen? I don't know if I, maybe I passed the, the cool vibe uh, <laughs> tech, but um, it is, we are talking about very different things across uh, cultural lines on social media. 
And one of the things that really got on my nerves, and I think a lot of people's nerves, is this sort of incessant conversation about men and women, mm. um, especially when it comes to uh, the Black community and, and what a woman's role is and what a man's role is. And I thought we had gotten rid of that for 2024. And it seems like it is seeping over. People are still buying podcast equipment. Leave it to the professionals, folks. <laughs> it really goes back to the conversation of just like the things that we do in this society, in this world. And, and we go, what about the people? It has never really been about the people. It has always been about our franchisement in some type of way. And, um, you know, we just kind of get suckered into these same conversations that keep us uh asleep i don't want to argue about whether i'm cooking for a man or not who the fuck is cooking us as a country you know what i mean like all that kind of stuff i don't remember at all the name of this podcast but i do remember like years ago it's the clip that's sort of gone viral and people constantly bring it up where it's like mostly like three dudes and they're all sitting around and there's like two women and they're like see because like as a man i'm supposed to cheat on my wife like as a man like or at, on my girlfriend like that's expected and like but she can't cheat around and fool around on me and that was sort of like i feel like that perpetually comes back as like listen to this wise sage is there a difference between him and plato you know like so there is it is true that you know yeah the sort of reheated misogyny mm -hmm. about gender roles is every year you're right like i thought that was in our out column well, it's but every year crop it's a new crop of girls coming up and they got to catch them while they're young and right. while their brains are still soft right right totally right exactly yeah. there's their frontal <laughs> cortex form they move quick because it's it's a war against the men who want women to do whatever they say and the women who have uh been there done that trying to tell the girls listen let's Let's save you some time. And, uh, you know, and then it's all, look at this girl. Look at this woman. She's got nothing and no And it's like, girl, I also have peace of mind. And also the problem <laughs> is not necessarily the women. It's also the pool that we're in that's full of mer mercury. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd rather be talking about more politics. I'd rather be talking about things that are very important. This sort of like surface conversation that a lot of us are having is blinding us to the fact that we are in a, a very bad state right now. We don't know where we're going to go. Um, you know, obviously, if you're Democrat, you're you're fighting for Biden. But every time I see Biden, he looks like so, he just came out of a home. You know, it's like he's always looking around like he just found out the same shit you found out at the same time. Like, you know, that whole questioning was like, do you come on, Pop? Do you know what's you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to deal with Trump, who's just like is is a narcissist, you know, and he's completely up his own butt. His entire family has zero political background, but they all got some type of a seat at the cabinet. I mean, right. just like <laughs> us being run by the Beverly Hillbillies. It did, there's no, you know. But I think in some ways, the fact that our politics are so pathetic also makes people run to like just random podcasters. I mean, guilty as charged, although I'm not like berating the audience on how to act like a man or a woman you know it's an informative conversation i think the, the thing that also is a problem is that whenever I, we say stuff like that and there's people like well you do and it's like yeah we're commentators we're comedians we are people that know how to get in here do the research and there's you know a move for betterment or at the very least an unbiased conversation that gets you thinking not sure. propaganda that is um 
you know, tearing down spirits and, and emotional well-being just so that you can make money. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly preying on young men, having them demonize women. And I guess, like, I think it can feel more insidious in the Black community because it is, I mean, again, without trying to make it a monolith, it must feel extra, like, wow, we're really pitting each other against one another just oh, openly. It's not a safe space to turn on social media when, especially as a Black woman, everything is an attack about how awful Black women are. So, you know, it is um, it, it is tiring, but there's bigger news and bigger fish to fry other than can you get a man? Right, 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 100%. Um, God, it'd be so easy if we just did that commentary, if we could just, I would, uh, that or like, you know, makeup tutorials. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Something, something that's easy, but I, I have too many interests. <laughs> um, and speaking of which, we gotta, we gotta move on to those two, two of the stories. A lot happened, but only two in my world. This is the week where. So this was the week where that, where Ron DeSantis, meatball mm. Ron. Ron DeSanctimonious, as Trump called him, various names. Ron DeSadness was my favorite one. Honestly, a little sad as a half Italian that he's out, but he did drop out of the race. Um, although, as my friend said, he didn't have that secret sauce, so he really was he Italian if he didn't have that special sauce, you know? Mm, not, not sure. So he's gone. Now, Yam, I don't know how much you've been following this, but the fact that today is the New Hampshire primary, and there was only one iowa caucus and he came out second right like a lot of people thought it would be nikki haley but no he was second and it was like okay and yet he still folded before this caucus or before the new hampshire primary which generally when you drop out you drop out like after you get your ass handed to you right right it, it was just so clear how little money he actually has like how screwed he was mm -hmm. he had nine delegates i mean trump had 20 and Nikki had eight, uh, but he was, you know, he was kind of a player, but it seemed like he just, he didn't even have enough money to like buy lunch. Right. Right. That's, that's sad when you can't get a Chipotle bowl. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> He's like, I could get one for me, but I'd have to share it with my staff. And you know, they hate sharing. Um, oh, exactly. This, it, it, I, I just think they're starting to move people out of the way, uh, to make, you know, Trump, uh, the clear candidate here. I'm not really even sure how any of this is legal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Trump's back. He's, isn't he like in court? Wasn't he supposed to go to prison? Like he's, he's in between campaign and court. It's campaign stops and court. And child support. <laughs> Cause see, well, here, you know, and the thing about it is it, it is, if this doesn't tell you that white men can do whatever the hell they want to do, I don't know what does. This is crazy that he is, and poor Nikki Haley, she done changed uh, cultures, and, and I think Ginger's going to her. <laughs> she doing everything she can to get in that seat. She like, what? No, I hate people of color. What are you talking about? I got color? Oh, no, that's because I was out in the sun too long. What? <laughs> I think all women should not have any rights. What? I'm a woman? Well, just give me the rights, and I'll share. You know, it's just, she's all over the place. She's hopscotching all over the place, girl. She's making me dizzy. Yeah, no, absolutely. The America was never racist, but I was teased for being brown. But anyway, uh, moving hey. on, we need a strong woman, but we need to stop talking about identity politics. Yeah, I mean, but say what you about Nikki. 
She's been able to spend her money wisely. Mm -hmm. She has got the Koch brother money. She got the billionaires in her back pocket. Mm -hmm. Remember Ron DeSantis launched his campaign on X in their audio. It wasn't even video Mm -hmm. on their new. I don't know if you heard of this, but it's an audio streaming platform in the year 2023. It was. And the shit couldn't even handle that. Like it crashed halfway through. Mm-hmm. So just, I think that was a clear sign. Also the fact that he is ultimately like a sniveling PTA mom of a person. Um, he has zero charisma. He does not know how to talk to people. Let's just remind everyone of how he was just in life. <laughs> Could I have been there with, with Jesus' disciples? I'm not, I'm not a candidate, so we'll see if, uh, if and when that changes. Oh, what is that? An icy? Yeah, that's probably a lot of sugar, huh? I'll serve you anything except I'm here, I don't know. The other one's probably. Okay, all right, all right. It's good, it's good. All right, we'll say hi to everybody. If you look at, at, at Iowa, um, you know, we did it right. But we you didn't, went to you all didn't win a single counties. county, right? And, I mean, in 99 counties, you didn't win a single well, one. Here. And as your president, I will not let you down. God bless you. Governor DeSantis, thank you. He doesn't seem confident in any. He, you know, when I, I remember the year I got to be a soccer cheerleader and I was shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> And when I was there, everything was just trying to fit in with the fit. He looks like somebody who's shocked. He's always invited anywhere. Um, and he needs to sit down. He's, um, this is why he did an audio thing. Don't nobody want to see him? No. And and he is, I mean, look, when he is out in public and he's doing his thing, let's let's just be reminded of of the boots heard around the world. Um, yeah. There we go. So just these, this was like during like one of the many hurricanes from the, you know, rising seawater. He's about to go to Studio 54. The reality yeah. is this is insane. <laughs> this is insane. But, you know, I think a couple things uh, and then we can, we'll move on from this. Um, first of all, he's endorsed Trump after he said he made fun of Republicans for just falling in line with Trump. He's endorsed Trump. Um, he's trying to not go anywhere. I feel so terrible for Florida because he's still governor. He rigged the entire voting, like the process for running for president um, by allowing himself to remain governor, even though he was running, which you're supposed to resign and then run. So he can still terrorize all the poor people in that state. I mean, some of them are nice. Some of them, you know, are moms for liberty. Um, But like, the other thing is, I feel like everyone was really preemptively scared of Ron DeSantis. They're like, ooh, he's going to get us. He's so he's, he's actually smart. He's a smart fascist. And it just, to me, shows that a lot of people are like, they want the Trump, but without the baggage. And like, no matter what side of the political spectrum, but specifically like media centrists, they're like, they're so eager to be able to be like, latch on to someone who can be a little bit more presentable who doesn't have 91 criminal counts on them, hasn't sexually assaulted, well, definitely sexually assaulted someone with however many, you know, allegations hanging in the balance. Like, and that to me is even scarier, the way that everyone was trying to will Ron DeSantis into being a thing and he just couldn't be a thing. White people going rogue is um, the, the, the headline for this year. 
and continuing <laughs> to go rogue. The the amount of things that you said happened that I know it would not happen if a person of color was it. How do you not do these things that you're supposed to do? And that's the problem. We're really going back and forth and we're talking about how this country is running, but we also have people who are running the country any way they want against any type of laws or requirements and standards. And nobody is challenging that or saying anything. We cannot yeah. continue to live in a two- rule society where people of a certain color can't get away with this and can't get away with that as long as you white it's all right and we just watch people do corruption it's insane yeah no exactly last week we covered how much money he take trump took while he was in office from like china for example nobody cares nobody pays attention to it um just to give you a sense of how much people media wanted uh desantis to win page sort of cobbled together all these headlines from you know what is this? Uh, Washington Post, New York Times, um, the future of Trumpism, the greatest threat to Donald Trump's hold on the GOP comes from Ron DeSantis, who may be more MAGA than the MAGA king himself. Like, what does that even mean? What does that mean? That means more what white. That mean? That's more white for the white. That means everybody, don't worry. We're going to get rid of these minorities. They're going to continue to go to jail. We're going to continue. We're going to still, we're going to ship them to yeah, I mean, ship immigrants. Hear. This until we recognize that this country does not want to acknowledge that it's racist. And because it doesn't want to acknowledge that it's racist, because if it acknowledges any type of a flaw, then it needs to be fixed. And this is happening all over the world. It's like, you know, it, the, the oppression that people of color have had to face here and the way we have had to move just to have a, a little piece of normalcy in this country is insane. So I don't know what the turnout's going to be for this year, because to be honest with you, um, Biden and the Democratic Party has not shown up for Black people the way that they were supposed to show up for us, especially because we've been so marginalized. Also, I'm not sure if Biden even remembers all 31 of the flavors at Baskin and Robbins. <laughs> and Donald Trump, to be fair. But, well, I mean, listen, I know him. Then again, I am a big bitch. But, you know, here's Donald Trump. He running around just doing whatever he want, breaking out of jail. He's like the Monopoly man running into jail, yes, getting out of jail free cards. It's wild. It's wild. And like that free parking is so high at this point. Hey. Like all this, like he's had to pay so much for all the lawsuits and the litigation. And I'm just waiting to land on that. We're never going to see any of that money. Anyway, I just thought it was fun. These other op-eds. Dismiss Ron DeSantis at your own peril. Beware, DeSantis is as much a threat to America as Trump. Can DeSantis break Trump's hold on New Hampshire? No, DeSantis wears silly disco boots to um, what should be FEMA sites, and he has absolutely no ability to talk to people. You heard him talk to a child and say, oh, is that an icy? Mm, a lot of sugar. Who cares? <laughs> What do you about Joe Biden? But like, at least he could eat an ice cream normal, even if he only remembers that like three flavors. Um, but yeah, and we're gonna talk with uh, Tom a little bit later about all the things you mentioned. But let's um, let's move on because I really love this segment. Um, Moms for Liberty, obviously, mm -hmm. started in Florida, mm -hmm. has chapters around the country, and they have been the ones leading the bans on books, books that just so happen to be written by black people, gay people that are about black history, gay history, or really just any stories about those folks. You see how crazy that is for Liberty. They moms for Liberty, taking away liberties from everybody. Insane. I got to get out. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
So here was Joanne Reed, and I feel like Joy's kind of been killing it lately because she did not let this uh, co-founder, um, I think her name is Melissa Justice or something like this, uh, which is so, like, that's not your name. Right. That's not your name. No. Um, but anyway, here she is asking uh, the co-founder specifically about basically the perfect question, which is what you just said. If you're Moms for Liberty, why do you get to decide mm -hmm. what everyone else reads? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't everyone have the liberty to decide what they read and what they don't read? Because, you know, these bitches don't read. I've said this before, mm -hmm. but they can't even do an Oprah's book list. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't even know if that's for racist causes. I think it's just because they're like, I don't know. Da Vinci Code? What? Like, OK, right, right. they can't even read on an airplane. They can't if the, anyway, they can look at pictures at the mm -hmm. salon. But here we go. For Liberty members are going to places like Broward County mm -hmm. School Board meetings, reading out of pass, out of context passages from these books, and then demanding that the school board remove them. So what's that the is the way? Yeah. The, the question. So she's saying basically they're going to this website. They find they search literally. What they do is they'll go to a website called like book. I don't know what it was called. She, she mentioned it. You just search like titty or like vagina. And then all the books that have the words titty or vagina, it's basically the horniest act you could possibly partake in. That's what Moms for Liberty has been doing. And then they'll read those passages, as Joy says, completely out of context, and then try and get the book banned. The question I'm asking is, what is the expertise that you have and other Moms for Liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book, like All Boys Aren't Blue, isn't oh. appropriate for students to read? What, what is your expertise? What a tragic story of a young man who's anally raped by his adult family member. So mm -hmm. you have incest, rape, pedophilia. Joy, you said you'd let me answer, so sure. I'm going to answer Please for do. you. Please um, do. In what context is a strap-on dildo acceptable for public school? Just let, I mean, that's my question mm -hmm. to you. Tell me what the context around the strap-on dildo or the rape of a minor child by a teacher. Hold on a second. No, no, no. no. no wait, We're hold talking on. about no, public no, no. school. One, one moment. All right. So now you've asked me questions. Sure. Well, I'm going to answer it. Okay. Well, who is the main character? What's the name of the main character in All Boys Are Blue? You're asking me right now. You just gave me very specific information about this book, so you're presenting yourself as somebody expert. It's the yeah, girl. You just said anally raped on national television. You better back it up. Right. You, you couldn't even just say. You can't. You couldn't even say just art. You couldn't just say raped. Just no anally raped. Make sure to get that in there. So who, who's the author? Hold on. Who's the main character? In the, the, book? the main character is the author. Who's the, what's his name? George, I believe this is. Georgie Porgy. First because name? you're giving me very specific information that is. You're asking me to remember the name of an author. You the just name remembered of the author very specific names. Joy. Here's my We're question. We're talking about Here's track. You didn't answer my no, question. No, no, no. I'm gonna. I'm going to answer. Great. Your question. I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm interviewing you, and you're not interviewing me. So let's just make sure it's a conversation. <laughs> okay. okay so what I'm saying to you is that as you are not an expert in this book. I don't or, have to be an expert no, 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 to know that dildos aren't one appropriate moment, for public moment. school. I mean, this come on, let's get real. This book is a full context story, as you said, of the author's experience. Why is it your right or a Moms for Liberty activist's right to say that a parent who wants their child to have access to this book, which gives a personal experience of this author, that they, that why doesn't a liberal parent, for instance, or a parent of an LGBTQ kid, why don't they have a right for their child to just have access to this book? Why is it your right to say they can't? So, again, we're talking about incest, rape, and pedophilia. And well, each parent, no, 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 no. 
each parent has to decide what is appropriate for their child to read. So I want you to answer. I'm going to ask so you one more time. Right. What is your right to tell a parent who wants their child, who might feel seen by this story, why oh don't they gosh. have the right? Why don't they have the right as a parent to say, my child can have access to this book? If a child feels seen by this story, that means that they have been uh, the victim of a predator. That means that they have either been raped by a family member, they, they, they've experienced um, And your proof of that is what? You just said that What's if a child feels seen by this story. They, so they they, what, no, 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 what no, no, I'm no, no, saying, no. Joy, You're now making assumptions no, about it. No, no, But if Let a child give you has an, been raped, we should do a lot better than put a book on a library Now you're literally shelf. creating we a story behind a child that you don't know. Let me show you a form. This is a form that can be obtained. Okay, before we move on, I just want to speak to that point because it's a perfect point that Joanne Reed is saying that like you're just assuming that about this child or this family. But then also, I love the way Republican women pretend and Republicans in general pretend like it's same with abortion rights, right? If anyone is like, is like, well, what about a 10 year old who gets raped and gets pregnant? And they're like, wait a minute, 10 year olds get raped. I'm like, I'm sorry. Whenever you descend from your cloud of privilege and like whenever you take the bucket off your head, yeah, kids get harmed and raped and assaulted. Sorry, it's really bad. But look at the stats. Look at the actual activists like Rain, which is an incredible organization that works to stop like this kind of abuse. But are you stopping that kind of abuse? No, you don't care. You just don't want to talk about it. It's happening. You just don't want to talk about it. But who is this bitch? <laughs> like, no point. Her like, name is Tiffany. Even... Yeah, but who cares about this woman? And like the counter is, and this is, uh, you know, people don't like me for this. I believe in countering nonsense with nonsense. So there should be <laughs> another where we're like, oh, we want all the dildos in the rape again. We're, we're yeah. for non-liberty. You know what I mean? Like they get to reign supreme because nobody shuts them up. Everybody's listening to this woman. She has zero credentialing. She doesn't even know the author of the book. She has no reason to be speaking about this book other than the fact that she knows that anal rape is in there somehow, but doesn't know who the author But Girl, beat it by. <laughs> um, uh, definitely there should be more dildos uh, in storytelling. I think that's that's uh, for she sure a fact. She more dildos up her ass so that she can stop running around here trying to be a book for Honestly. and stuff like that. So you know who needs a dildo? I mean, that truly is what Joy... But Joy came so prepared. She then asks her, look, there are opt-out forms where your child can be prohibited from taking out a book from the library if they have... If the librarian has like a, hey, don't let my child check out these books. Mm -hmm. Why can't you just do that? And the woman is like... <gasps> Well, that's a good start. It's like, no, bitch, because that's not what they care about. They actually just care about taking away the storytelling, the voices, and the history mm -hmm. of queer people, black people, mm -hmm. uh, anyone that they don't perceive as, uh, honestly, that they don't perceive as American is truly what it and is. And that's why them Republicans keep getting caught with these little boys. See, the problem is when you don't talk about, the, you worry about somebody else, you not sweeping around your own back door. She need to find out where her son is. Where your son at? What he got going on? Well, and then the receipts were brought about Moms for Liberty because they they absolutely, not only did they tangle with the Proud Boys and all that, but like mem members of them are like, one of them was in a threesome, which is like, I don't care. Good for you if you were in a threesome. But like, you pretend to be completely morally correct and like no one's ever done infidelity. It's no, these are the horniest and most repressed people. Of course. And if they had had more books... 
like this when they were young, they wouldn't feel the need to take all of that repression out on everybody else. Like I listen said. to no bitch that shops at Filene's basement. So this is where we all get, girl, please. What? Uh, all right, let's get Tom in here for this discussion because uh, it is the New Hampshire primary today or yesterday or last week, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, he's a veteran Democratic political strategist. Yes, we can blame him. A senior advisor to political data firm Target Smart and CEO of the Terra Group. Please welcome Tom Bonnier. Tom, how are you? I'm good. Hi, good Tom. Hello. I feel like Thanks. I dropped into this conversation at a weird moment. Yeah, there's a lot of dildo talk. Um, not usually this many. Yeah. Like usually we limit like three or four mentions, but um, definitely exceeded our limit. Uh, anyway, Tom, I have a lot of questions. We were like, we need to talk to somebody about what the hell's happening this year. Um, because beyond, again, the overwhelming um, sadness, I think a lot of us face uh, in terms of the uh, Biden v. Trump yet again and the threat of Trump become potentially becoming president. Um, there's a little bit of a like, how is this all working in terms of the primaries? Like, what's going on? Um, I, I do want to just kind of explain for folks like primaries are not run in any standardized way, or at least in the Re Republican Party, not in a standardized way across this country. Explain how they are run. Explain who sets the rules and how do you, how are they like a barrier or not in terms of like smaller candidates, third party candidates, whatnot? Yeah. I mean, so the easiest answer is it depends, which is a problem in general, but like Iowa, which obviously, you know, happened last week, as you were talking about earlier, is the best example of that. So Iowa up until this year was the first primary, or in this case, a caucus um, for both parties. And the Democratic Party for a long time has been saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Because when you talk about barriers to voting, and as Democrats, we should be doing everything we can to get rid of those. The Iowa caucus has some of the biggest barriers to voting there are. You have to go in the evening, uh, sometimes to someone's house, sometimes to like a VFW hall. You have to go to some different place. You have to stand in a room with a whole bunch of people who are your neighbors you may or may not know. And then you publicly have to talk about who you're supporting and actually stand in groups in the mm -hmm. room. They do it differently in different places. But the point is, if we're trying to make it easier, we're trying to improve participation, caucuses like that actually diminish it. And then, then there's the other issue and concern that Iowa is one of the whitest states in the country. And right. so when we're talking about... Uh, representing the Democratic Party and selecting a candidate who is a representative of the diversity of the party. The idea that you start with Iowa and New Hampshire has generally been problematic. So the Democratic Party, they have some influence. And this is on both sides. Both parties, the DNC, the RNC, have some influence. And the biggest influence mm -hmm. they have is they can say, basically, y'all can do whatever you want in the states. You can vote however you want. But in the end, we're going to decide who our nominee is at the convention. Mm -hmm. The conventions have been basically pageants for like 40 years now. They haven't been anything more than formalities. But in reality, and we saw this with the super delegates going back a ways and the controversies around that, mm -hmm. that's where, where the candidates are actually nominated. So you have this push and pull. But when I say it depends, some states say we're going to do caucuses, we're going to do the Iowa thing. Most states do primaries. The primaries are run by the states, by the actual official government, Secretary of State, Department of Elections, but they look to the parties to say, just tell us who's on the ballot. 
Right. And that's where some of this controversy we're seeing, because in both the Republican and the Democratic primary, you've seen a handful of states who have just said, Joe Biden's the only one on the ballot, except New Hampshire, where Joe yes. Biden isn't on the ballot. He's not even on the ballot. In fact, they're doing a write-in campaign where they're yeah. like, okay, we'll write in. But but it's assumed that all the delegates um, will just throw, obviously, they are going to be going for Joe Biden and no other. Marianne well, the, Williamson the, is at running. At this point, what the DNC is saying is that it, the vote won't result in any delegates. They're not going to seat the delegates. So they're saying you can vote, but this doesn't matter what you're doing. Whoever you you could, if Marion Williamson won 100 percent of the vote, doesn't matter. We're not seating your delegates at, at the convention. They won't. Now have here's the set. thing. That's wild to me. The, the problem the problem I'm having is I'm not upset enough because I don't like Marianne Williamson enough, and I don't and I don't like Dean Phillips enough to be upset about it. But but ostensibly, if there was someone who I did like in the race, like I don't know Alexandria Ocasio Cortez or another progressive. Jamal Bowman, I think, was at one point talking about this. We talked about that with Ryan Grimm not so long ago. Like, I'd be upset. I'd be incensed that it was just automatically given, oh, Biden's an incumbent. It's a shoe in. This is it's going to be this way no matter what. You could you can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. What would yeah. you say to that? Well, I mean, what I would say is there was a, there was an opportunity there, and this will make me unpopular, but there was an opportunity there, meaning the DNC a long time ago, they voted and they said, look, we need to move Iowa and New Hampshire back. We need to move South Carolina and Nevada cool. up because yeah. those are states that are more representative of the diversity of the Democratic Party, which right. moved them up. And so they said, Iowa, New Hampshire, you can go after, but you can't be first. And so New Hampshire said, no. We're going to go first. And so <laughs> they the, just disobey. I mean, that's so just funny did. that like they just did it today. They're doing it today. Iowa did it already. Although I guess we're the caucus. It's very confusing. Yeah, there was no Democratic caucus. Iowa just kind of stood down. New Hampshire didn't. But in the end, like New Hampshire, they could have they could have had an election where their votes counted and the delegates were seated. So it wasn't, I understand why people look at it and they say, well, it's the big bad democratic party going in and telling us who the nominee is going to be. And in this case, I don't question, you know, Joe Biden as president, as a democratic president is the effective head of the democratic party. Right. And so that creates some conflicts and it creates situations where people look at it and say, well, this isn't fair. Um, and right. I get that, but in the end, this, this case, like New Hampshire, they could have just listened to what they asked them to do gone a few weeks later and their votes would have counted like South Carolina and Nevada and every other, well, most other So states. it was because they were demoting them from going first or second that they could have had maybe a more robust primary, but the States, I mean, I own New Hampshire. They sort of, I went to New Hampshire four years Oh God, it was not four years ago. <laughs> it was 2016, but it feels like yesterday. And you're just like, there's so much pride in them going first. They're so into it. It's like covered bridges, white people, yeah. and going first in the in the primary. You know, that's, that's all it. it is. That's it. Live free or die. They, um, their state motto for those. I'm not just making yes, that up. But, yes. Uh, yeah. No. It it is a matter of pride. And like to their credit, I, it, and again, this shows just how sort of stupid the whole nominating process is within both parties. So say New Hampshire decided they were going to go later when the DNC asked them to go. But the Republican Party didn't want to change it because they're perfectly fine with having the one of the whitest states in the country go first. Because sure. what difference does it make? That's who's voting no. in their primaries. Well, then 
in New Hampshire, what do they do? Do we have two primaries now? Which actually becomes very expensive, becomes confusing for voters. There are yeah. problems. And it shows how this primary system in our country, not surprisingly, is flawed. Completely flawed. And sorry, just to stay on this for a little bit, I feel like after both after 2016 and after 2020, especially 2020, I think what sort of rang out was like, why do we do primaries so piecemeal and at different times? Yeah. Why is this the longest election cycle? Why don't we all vote on the same day, every single state, and we vote in the same way? Dunzo. Like, obviously, we tabulate it. takes a while. Um, but who does it benefit that the primaries are so spaced out? Well, the, the argument for having it the way it is, or at least roughly the way it is, where it's spaced out, and the argument for Iowa and New Hampshire originally was you want to make room for candidates who don't come in with institutional advantages. Maybe they don't have all the money, um, and they can come in these small states where it's less expensive to campaign, and you can go in and you can live there for a year, basically. You can do... Right. You know, There's what not some like an eight dollar smoothie anywhere, right. like a sixteen dollar smoothie, more like. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get closer to Massachusetts and New Hampshire, then sure. you might run into that. But, um, and you know, some would argue that's how how President Obama was able to to win eventually is because he came through, he surprised people, you know, by um, by winning. So you in Iowa. You get momentum. Sorry to interrupt you. So That's it's almost right. like, because for me, I'm like, well, wouldn't the person who's got the most money be able to withstand the number of states? But it's like, no, you can see. And yeah, great example. Uh, I remember him. Uh, Barack Obama being able to have this momentum. It was not originally at his back. Um, but he, what? how did he do in the first two? Did he win Iowa? Yeah, I believe. And, and this is th this. I'm going to embarrass myself. My recollection is he won Iowa. I, I, and I don't recall in um, New Hampshire because I've, I've blocked most of that from memory uh, <laughs> uh, because it was, it was an awful primary. But and, and, and to be clear, a great result. But um, in terms of the Clinton Obama dynamic, it was it was just a brutal primary. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to be fair, it's like, it's, it wasn't like he was an unknown candidate. He was, you know, he set the world on fire when he spoke at the 2004 democratic convention. Remember when we're nominating right. John Kerry and, and then, uh, Senator Obama gets up and speaks and everyone's like, why can't this guy be our nominee? <laughs> right. um, this guy is awake. Right. <laughs> John Kerry. Well, I mean, I'm asleep. Look, Kerry, he has his own legacy. I, I, I liked him so much when he lost, actually. I think it was a blessing that he lost. I mean, <laughs> four more years of Bush, but um, yeah, finally, sorry, this is so like wonky and in the weeds, but, but like the convention, the idea that like, you know, there's been talk of like, what if Biden pulls an LBJ and he decides to step out of the, you know, the race and not um, at the, you know, and at the convention and whatnot and doesn't run. But the way the conventions are is, like you said, it's much more of a shoe in. It's not as contentious as it used to be. I think the most contention I think we saw maybe was 2016 with Hillary and Bernie, where it was like you heard just like opposite chants like Hillary, right. Bernie, Hillary. And, ever, and that was like exciting. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's just been a rubber stamp. Yeah. And so I, I, I it, you're right to bring this up because there are a lot of people, I think, who are looking at this and there's some amount of like fan fiction out there, which which is like. So Here's the mechanism by which Joe Biden isn't, he's going to be the nominee, right? I mean, uh, he's going to be the nominee. Yes. Like if, if you want to go to the convention in the end, both parties at their conventions can decide by their own rules who they are nominating. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then they tell each state, this is our nominee. This is who you put on the ballots, right? So they, they have the right to do that. But there are some laws around what they can actually do. And there are the bylaws of the party. And like you mentioned, the the Bernie Hillary thing was just like a little sample of that where the super delegates could vote for whom they wanted. But most of them are bound to vote by to vote for the candidate who won the state's nominating process. uh, Right, right, right. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's it's, you know, personally, I just I've been very silent. Tom, you seem like a very lovely man. One of the things that not. bothers me about being a Democrat, especially as a person of color, is this conversation is, you know, there's a lot of lightness, a lot of joking, but it is very severe. Um, no matter who becomes president, whiteness is not going to be hanging in the balance, Democratic or Republican. And people of color are not going to have the same uh, advantages. When Trump was president, it was a very scary time. Hate crimes were running through the roof. Uh, police brutality towards Black people was excessive, um, it, more than it's ever been. And he um, trumpeted people together who already were silently um, being racist and letting them out loud be racist. And one of my biggest problems with the Democratic Party is that it's a lot of passivity that is happening. Mm-hmm. And as we sit here and we listen to what's supposed to happen and the rules and the regulations. It seems like the Democratic Party is always following the rules and regulations and the Republicans aren't. They're doing whatever they want. They're having closed meetings. They're pulling people out of offices. They're, um, you know, when we were talking about Atlanta and we had those two black uh, congresswomen who were arrested, I believe they were congresswomen, because they were trying to stop these things that were happening and they were forcefully removed from a position, you know, that they own or they had won. It's... I'd rather speak about what we're going to do to be stronger when fighting against an enemy that will do anything and not this sort of like turn the other cheek. We're going to be the best people we can be because it's not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I mean, and, and, and we certainly have a long history of this of Democrats. I mean, going back to Merrick Garland, when Republicans just said, no, President Obama, you don't get to appoint a Supreme Court justice for a year. And there were opportunities there where Democrats could have, at least many believe, certainly what Republicans would have done, made a recess appointment, say, sorry, you know, we've talked about expanding the Supreme Court, things we could do to, uh, you know, from the Dobbs decision, overturning Roe v. Wade, that there are opportunities there. The filibuster and and looking at Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, two Democrats standing in the way of all the things that could be done in the name of 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 justice and equality, which is obviously the opposite of what the Republicans are doing. But you're right, adopting their tactics uh, in some ways, um, at, at a minimum, just to undo a minimal amount of the damage they've done. It's it's incredibly frustrating that that's not really part of the conversation. Yeah, I mean that's a, the filibuster is a great example. I, I well, agree with you. Yeah. We go for, I don't mean to cut you off because I'm really interested. So what is well, how can we get that into the conversation? As somebody who's a Democrat. And by default, and feels uh, not representative, but still will vote Democrat. How do I get into that conversation to start affecting some type of changes? Yeah, it, it, it's such a sea change, holistic change in terms of the party. I think to your point, there there has been so such minimal support for those things. How do you change Joe Manchin? How do you change Kirsten Sinema? You beat them. I mean, they're both going to be gone from right. the Senate. 
after this year. So there's that element. Kristen mm-hmm. Cinema. Well, Kristen Cinema. Well, <laughs> we shall see. We'll but see. Like, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, they're both going to have cushy lobbying. I mean, I would just yeah. say, and this is what sucks about it, Yamanika, because I agree with you and I feel like it's easy to feel just disaffected because like no one's actually tackling the issues. Yeah, where they're all playing safe by the rules or they can't amend the rules in order to actually get an equal playing field, pass voter rights legislation, pass labor, you know, union rights legislation, the PRO Act and whatnot. But it's like they want folks to tune out. And I think that Tom's right that it's like you got to beat them. We have to beat them. And what sucks is the candidates we've been given are weak sauce large in large part and that's why you see also the squad you know like progressives i think in congress growing their ranks because people like like straight talkers they like people who stand up for the working class they're mostly all people of color um they like when folks defend immigrant rights they they stand you know they like when cory bush like you know holds a sleep out and says like no people should not be evicted um i'm gonna like take a massive action on this like but then, then we're left with the Joe Biden, you know, and like, and we're constantly told that no, he's the safe guy. You can't be too crazy. You got to be safe. You got to play it safe. Well, Mister Safe just just co-signed a massive genocide, and that's ongoing in Gaza. So I don't think Joe Biden's looking very safe in November either, in my opinion. I mean, this even the way he's spoken about people of color. I just, for me. It gets harder and harder every year to give convince people, especially people of color, to vote. And not only just to vote now, to vote Democrat. Because, right. they, you know, it's like there's so many people I know who are friends of mine who are saying Re- Republican is the best way to go and, and Republicans see it. And I'm just like, what is what in the Twilight Zone is happening here? But I don't have any counter arguments because I what can I say? Right. Yeah. Well, right. And, I, the, and I think part of it's like the moving goalposts, I think, that I've heard a lot of people frustrated with that I understand why, but we're not doing a great job communicating this, meaning we told everyone in 2022 the importance of holding on to the Senate for Democrats and how difficult it would be. And people worked very hard. Activist organizers worked very hard to actually make that happen against all odds. Hold on to the Senate. And then we hold on to the Senate and then people look at it and say, well, OK, but but now what? And, you know, the reality is it, it is important that Democrats control the Senate from appointing judges and that sort of thing. That's so behind the scenes. And when the excuse is, well, yeah, but you still got these two senators who are holding everything up. I think people are understandably frustrated saying, well, yeah, mm-hmm. you move the goalposts on us. We did what you said we had to do. And it's still not enough. Um, um, bank fees. Biden's right. trying to get rid of uh, overdraft fees from banks. That's huge. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's like all that shit gets caught up in courts and there's so many right. people. Well, same with student loans, it. right? Like he, he right. just the other day announced another batch of student loan forgiveness. And he's actually done a lot of great things on this front, but right. it doesn't get through. And when a lot of the things we're talking about are like actual existential threats, um, you know, it's understandable that not everything is gonna is gonna get through. But it doesn't even look like he's Francesca. I'm so sorry because <laughs> I'm no, just okay. this conversation, and, and you are the head bitch in charge. This is your show. Um, but I just I think the biggest problem is also the age. You know, some of these things we could tolerate if it, it's like, is he gonna make it through the next four years if he's there? I mean, I feel like maybe it's the only way Kamala gets elected. So uh, that's fine that's with me. Fear, right? Because, <laughs> you know, if Let's be real about the racism in this country. Nobody wants to see a woman of color run this. They didn't want to see Hillary and she as white as they can get. So yeah. now you have a president who is on shaky 
ground. You know, he that's the narrative that Trump keeps running, even though he seems to be like six months younger than him. And we also seeing Biden making a lot of missteps mentally and, and all kinds of stuff, falling off bikes, falling upstairs, talking to the curtain at dinner parties. So, you know, if he don't make it through four years and then everybody goes, well, we about to have this woman of color. That's also another fear that we have going on that we're not fighting against. Well, let's let's turn a little bit to Trump. I don't want to I don't want to like I mean, I think that's real underscore that. But let's turn around to like looking at what's going on on the other side, Tom, and, and maybe just polling. Like, I think Yamanika mentioned some of her friends are like, maybe the Republicans are the way to go. Um, we've sort of seen broad like Republicans are gaining with black men, lose, uh, Democrats are losing or Democrats are losing black men. Democrats are losing with young people, especially again with the response to Israel's war on Gaza. But just like you're a pollster. So what are you seeing out there um, and how much of it is? I mean, are people actually convinced that Trump was better for the economy? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, it, that's hard to believe. Um, but some people do believe it. They, they look at, it, they say, well, we were doing better under Trump when, you know, again, unlikely. And obviously you have the impact of the pandemic, but yeah. And, and, and for all that, you also have to forget about the whole authoritarian thing, which is interesting because he's leaning into that so much more this time than he was. If you look at the three times Trump has run 16, where basically he was first telling people that he was going to win the Republican primary. And then he said, I'm going to go to the middle and I'm going to, I'm going to run like a, a, a businessman. And then sure. he got out of the primary, realized that it was really fun getting fired people, people fired up with racism, sexism, everything else. And he got addicted to it. And he governed as more of an extremist. He ran as more of an extremist in 2020. And this time he's gone so much further. You know, Mr. Dictator for a day. I'll be a dictator. Day one dictator. Just one day. Right. Um, and so... It's hard to believe that people are looking at that and saying that that's where they want to go. I think from the polling perspective, I think the one thing we have to keep in mind is even though we're here in January um, talking about this presidential race, most Americans are not really tuning that much into this race Good at this them. point. Yeah, which Good is the healthy thing to do, right? Because they <laughs> yeah. have more immediate concerns and it's such a, a clown show in so many ways. Uh, from a polling perspective, it's a little bit like if I asked you, are you going to eat the mashed potatoes before the stuffing on Thanksgiving? You might tell me mm. what you think you might do. You might tell me what you think I want to hear. If you thought <laughs> I had a strong feeling about that, or you might tell me something that, you know, you just have a strong feeling today about the stuffing. Um, and that's going to change. My point is what we're seeing in the polling is going to change. Yeah, And yes, you are seeing in the polling that key components of the Democratic coalition, as Simon Rosenberg, friend of mine, says all the time, the, uh, the Democratic coalition is wandering in some ways. And that's mm. absolutely true. Um, their younger voters, voters of color are looking at this and saying, you know, are these my choices? Um, does that mean that that's where they will end up? I think to me, the question will be when the stakes are clear, and when we get to October, November, and it's in the end, these are the two, these are your choices, who are you going to vote for? I do think you will see, um, for the most part, Democratic coalition coming back together in the face of Trump's authoritarian uh, campaign. Sure. 
Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be a long path. And, 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 you know, the Biden campaign certainly has a lot of work in front of them. I'm, I'm confident they understand that, but it's going to be a lot of work. I've heard whispers that their like ground team that their ground team is not that strong yet. I mean, I know it's just January, but I I don't know. That's a that's a rumor. Um, I I am curious about voter turnout. I I've predicted a low voter turnout, but again, you're right. Trump brings people out to the polls, whether for or against him. You know, that's what he has, right? He has he he has a fervent base who will vote for him, but then he also has fervent people who are freaked out. Yeah. fervently freaked out of another Trump administration. And it's I feel like 2020 was the first election where because if, if you asked me before 2020, I'm like, look, if you're running for president, you got to have something you got to have offer a vision. You got to like offer a plan. Look at Obama. Look at Trump. They were outsiders. They had a vision. Trump's vision is heinous, but he still had one. Right. Like and then you have Biden. And Biden truly didn't have to have a vision. He just had to be like, I believe the pandemic is real and I'm not him. And it seems like Democrats are almost banking on that once again, which I, I feel like is a little bit playing with fire. Yeah. I mean, when you look at turnout, 2020 had a record high where it was the highest turnout presidential election. And I think 60 years, 80 years, it was incredibly high. One of the big reasons for that beyond the dynamic you mentioned, I think it was a big component, right? That everything felt like it was at stake was we actually made it easier for people to vote. Like yeah. because of the pandemic, we did this like, and credit to election officials around the country who made it easy for people to vote by mail or like like they did in Houston where they actually had drive through voting. Republicans actually tried to make it so those votes weren't counted because they said there was a law that said that a ballot has to be cast inside a structure. So they put a little roof up that you drive through. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> but, my God. but my point is they did interesting creative things to make it so people could vote. In, yes. in a relatively safe manner and an easy manner. Unfortunately, many of these states have rolled these back since then, not shockingly, and actually made it harder to vote again, thinking about Georgia, Texas, um, states like that. So you have that dynamic that would suggest that turnout will likely be lower than 2020. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then the only thing that I can point to that I, I look at and I say, well, maybe turnout will get to those levels, or maybe in some cases it'll go over, is the Dobbs decision. And this is right. the first presidential election since Roe v. Wade has been overturned. We saw what impact that had in 2022 and in the handful of elections that happened in 2023, where uh, voter turnout, especially pro-abortion rights voters, really came out to vote. If Democrats are able to make it clear that abortion rights are effectively on the ballot everywhere, because they are, I think one of the scary yeah. things... Republicans have come out and said it. They have this, you've talked about this before, but the what the Project 2025 or whatever it is, their, their plan that they've put out there, it's on the internet, that they say, this is mm -hmm. what we're going to you do. You can be in the Trump administration. Yes, yes yeah, 5,000 5, people, Trump loyalists, ready to come into the um, administration, administration. Militia, tomato, tomato. Right. Call you what know. you want. <laughs> Call yeah. what you will. Um, but part of that plan is they say, look, we don't need to pass any new laws in these states yeah. and states like New York and California that say it's okay. Abortion rights won't be overturned here because we have democratic leadership. They say, Oh no, there's this actually a law that was already passed in the 1800s, the Comstock act that actually says if, if enforced, there's illegal to by mail deliver the means of abortion. 
And so Republicans have said in this thing that is out there in the public that that's all they need to do is have a Department of Justice, a Trump Department of Justice that just says, we're going to enforce this law. Jesus, Sure, Christ. it's 160 years old, but we'll enforce it and abortion will be banned everywhere. So the question is, can we as Democrats get that message out there? Can we be disciplined enough about that to, to your point, actually inspire people to come out to vote? You know, there has I mean, to be inspiring. a vision there. I mean, right, it's, it's, right. There right. has to be it's a vision fear. behind it's, that. Right. Exactly. I mean, it, it reminds me of the the idea floated when Dobbs' decision came down, which was why not have clinics on federal land? Couldn't, right. you know, Biden attempt to do that? And it was like, no, 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 we can't. It's like, to Yamanika's point, look at the right. They're p- picking up some old ass piece oh, of yeah. legislation or like, ooh, look, we can obliterate your laws, override your laws in blue states, and we can outlaw abortion and go after abortion providers everywhere. Yay. And so totally, you're right. I do think a lot of women, especially in red states, are going to come out to vote. I hope that this man, I hope the Republicans are scared. Um, But I'm also like, I need a vision from the Biden administration on what they're going to do to secure abortion rights. It cannot... And again, and back to the the thing that we we looked at, you know, and I think we've talked about this, about what allowed Biden to win in the first place was also the overwhelming number of young people and people of color um, that came out in droves to for Biden and what was going on at the same time. And not all of them were motivated by the BLM movement, but many of them were because you saw like National Guardsmen and police and these, you know, uh, uh, like um, police unions, all Trumpers who were just yeah. cracking skulls of young people, of black people and loving it and relishing. You saw an extrajudicial killing up in Washington, like yeah. really scary shit that we're like, oh, no, like and and if you're Biden, man. What have you done well, for and, prison and, and reform that was, and police reform? To, to be clear, I, I, I would take it a step further. That that was the ground game for the Biden campaign. When during the pandemic and the campaign wasn't able to organize in person, BLM, and we tracked this. We actually put out a study after George Floyd's murder. You saw literally within, within um, two days yeah. in Georgia, you saw this surge in voter registration among younger voters and voters of color in Georgia. And then we saw that spread around the country that was 100%, you charted out, it was 100% connected to BLM. Yeah. And without that, you look at how close Georgia was, 10,000 votes, Arizona, Nevada, all just a a handful of uh, thousands of votes, we would have had a different outcome. We would be in the midst of Trump's second term now without that. So it's incredibly important to be be clear Hmm. about that. That's, that makes me so worried. I mean, we're going to have to see a lot more out of out of Biden and even the vice president, to Yamanika's point. I mean, she could, at least she could do. Are you drinking mate? It's a bubbly. Oh, that looks like a yerba mate, and I was about to freak out. But <laughs> I support your bubbly um, out of your straw. Tom, we're totally going to have you back very soon, but any, any other final words, thoughts, observations before we let you go? Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I had uh, words of wisdom here. It's going to be a brutal year. I think that's the thing that I think we all are clearly resigned to here is the notion that we're, we're in for almost 11 more months of this. And unfortunately it's not going to get better. We'll see what happens yeah. tonight. I will say just as an aside, I don't, I don't, you know, Trump's going to win. There's like a very small percentage chance if Nikki Haley 
could win anywhere. It'll be in New Hampshire where unaffiliated voters can vote. And Joe Biden isn't on the ballot. So Democrats don't really have a reason to That's go out and right. vote. That's so right. So I'm, I'm not predicting it. I'm saying like there's like a 10% chance. Even if she does win there, all it means is it prolongs this primary. I'm still pulling for that, if nothing else. That sure. Just, otherwise, Make it a little Trump, bit more interesting for us. <laughs> right. Well, and if Trump wins tonight, and again, people may be watching this um, in the future where that's already happened, it means the general election is on. It could, it could be tomorrow morning we wake up and the general election is on, and it's going to be a brutal grinding election. And um, unfortunately, you know, I, I know people get sick of hearing that this is the most important election ever because we're just in the sequence of election after election. But here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Um, I, I still have, if people have more questions, maybe when you come back, um, I think one thing you said to me before I let you go, before we went live was like that you thought maybe that AOC or another candidate would have like filed correctly. But basically what did you mean by that? I just wanted clarity that like that a third party candidate or excuse me, a primary challenger could have come into this race and like maybe done things the right way. What did you mean when you said that? Well, like, you know, we were talking about the primary and the fact that people are complaining that Florida said Joe Biden's the nominee. He's because yes. he's the only one on the ballot. Tennessee, Wisconsin have done the same. And then we talked about New Hampshire and like Dean Phillips, especially Democratic candidate running in the primary Democratic member of Congress who has been running, I think, just because he really loves being on TV. He's <laughs> complaining and saying how anti-democratic it is. But in reality, there were rules there. He didn't abide by them. Someone like you mentioned, AOC, you know, someone who actually went out there, did the organizing work, as I know she would, raised the money, got supporters. They would run a smarter campaign. They'd be they right. they they'd be on the ballot. You know, I think Dean Phillips is just enjoying his moment. The other day, he said that um, if no labels, if he doesn't beat Biden in the primary, oh. no labels would take him. He would run in the general. And then his campaign had to come out today and say, no, ixnay on that. Like that's that's not a great message in New Hampshire for the Democratic primary. Well, they might want Haley. We will see. That is going to be fascinating. I agree with you. I do think I I would oh I I would just love to see how pissed Trump would be if Nikki Haley won New Hampshire. It'd be great. So pissed, so mad. New Hampshireites, they are kind of cray. Like they do some crazy shit like you wouldn't expect. I've talked to them and they're weird. Well, and um, we, talk, we talk about polling. It's just really hard to poll in general. We know polling is already pretty messed up and not yeah. the most accurate thing out there. Well, trying to poll in a Republican primary where you don't know unaffiliated voters can vote in either primary. So, you know, that's the only reason I'm saying there might be a surprise there is, is, sure. is that dynamic. We'll see. We'll find out in a few hours. All right. Excited for it. Um, I think Tom Bonnier, thank you so much. How can people follow you and find your work? Uh, on Twitter, uh, T Bonnier. Um, I'm on all the other things too, but I haven't quite figured them out. So I'm, I'm in the same limbo everyone's in. Like, I know, not like, really. There's a lot of Nazis here, there. Yeah. but there's a lot of Zionists here. What do we do? That's yeah. my feeling. <laughs> anyway, T Bone, um, I am calling him that. Uh, love you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, Monica, we have one more hey. segment. Yeah. It is one final segment. Um, so. Obviously, you've been. Have you been heckled? Do people dare heckle? I mean, drunk people are everywhere in stand-up shows. You know, bachelorette parties exist, so mm-hmm. I'm sure you've dealt with your fair share of hecklers. Yeah, I've dealt with people who open their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> like this is my time. You're like, find a mic, 
do a hot three minutes, you'll Let's be great. Call them a heckler. I just call them people that open in my house. <laughs> people that, well, this is this is when hecklers are actually doing a good thing or people who open their mouths for a good cause. Um, so this speaking of mansion and the Republican primary, this is from the good liars. Um, this was before he dropped out, not mansion, excuse me, DeSantis, before DeSantis dropped out. And uh, people from the Good Liars came up to him and gave him a participation trophy. Uh, but wait, let me introduce this. This is heckling for good. Your favorite moment, you decide. Here we go. But nothing's going to stop us. Uh, real quick, before we get started, thank you, everyone. Governor DeSantis, I want to present to you this participation trophy. <laughs> now, it's probably not going to win the election, right? But we're proud of you for trying. There you go. Sorry, buddy. He's special, he's unique, and he's our little snowflake. Thank you. Here you go. Did you want the award? <laughs> he has that awkward smile. <laughs> he like tries to go for it. He can't even grab it away from the dude. It's no. so good. In his heart of hearts, he wanted it. He really did want to win something. He's <laughs> like, ooh, but ooh, it? it could be in the yeah. back of my my shot yeah. for my yeah. podcast. I mean, I would have definitely put that up behind me. Are you kidding me? All right. So there's that. Um, here was Nikki Haley the other day, uh, in terms of candidates republican primary candidates and uh, this is someone from the sunrise movement getting up right in front of her speech and he's got a sign that says um i think oil like bought and sold or hang on we'll see we'll see i can't remember oil something we will get the pipelines going it's including the keystone pipeline we will we will export as much liquefied natural gas as we can a mandate for law and order in our country and a mandate for a America that we can be proud I love the screams. Oil sellout, which is so great. I just love the Do they have metal detectors and stuff at these places? They're crazy. I know they're so freaked out. There's so, oh, it's a little banner. Ah! Um, but Calling someone a sellout is really lovely. Calling them an oil sellout is great because, again, the other side of every time a Republican says, we're going to drill, 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 is like, oh, you're bought and sold by the fossil fuel companies. Democrats are, too, to a certain extent, but not to the degree that Republicans are. Um, so that was number two. Uh, here, number three, in two different parts, someone just can't let go of Matt Gates and how he probably Venmoed for um, un a sex with an underage woman, likely. Um, uh, and he, yeah, he's known to have like, yeah, like dated or been with 17 year olds, underage girls. And so here's a guy in New Hampshire, I guess he's campaigning for Trump, this poor sod. Anyway. And, uh, here we go. What's the youngest school girl you've ever been with? And have you ridden on the Lolita Express? I know that Donald Trump has. So, I mean... So good. What like that like, guy? Yeah. How many? There's. Uh, have you? So how many? And he's so excited. How? So how many underage girls have you been with? Oh, wait, what? I mean, where? This is cool. Um, and Gates is in front of like an American flag with Donald Trump's face like imprinted on it. Just some of the scariest imagery you could possibly imagine. You know, I remember when like yeah, Biden. Like kind of elk lodge everywhere you go. Every all the time, and like the more like sort of 
scuffed American flags on people's shirts. You know, that's how you know. A lot of like blue lives matter as if you all didn't beat cops in the Capitol building. Um, all right. So he he kept at it. Here he goes. This is continuing uh, in New Hampshire while Matt Gates is speaking. Make way. Matt Gates, I got you the underage girl. I got you the underage girl. You can have her. You can have her. I love the little voter, just the voters sitting there and they're like white cloth covered, like round tables in the conference hall, just trying to just, yeah, just obviously all white people all trying to enjoy whatever, you know, sad meatloaf they're eating. <laughs> I don't know how much they paid to get into this like event um, or whatever fundraiser. It is really interesting because New Hampshire, we didn't talk about this with Tom, but like mm. when you go there and like how many, how many presidential candidates have you met, Yamanika? One. Who? President Obama. As president or as a, as a candidate? As a, before the, you know, I never get to meet anybody that um <laughs> that could actually like drone strike my enemies. <laughs> yeah, I meet everybody. I met Denzel when he was working at McDonald's. So <laughs> he worked at McDonald's. I was like, <laughs> did they discover him? Was someone like, you are far too handsome to be here? Yeah. Um, first of and all, I that's amazing. Who he was. I had zero idea. He came out of nowhere. When, when I got to, not, and I thought like I met him, like, Hey, you know, I was in his presence. It was, uh, it was around the time where they were talking about how he was, the book he wrote was so elementary or yeah. something. They were criticizing. Oh God. Oh, criticizing yeah. that. Yeah. Like one of the best selling like novel or not like one of the best selling autobiographies from like a candidate. Um, yeah, that. So what's crazy is that in New Hampshire, they all meet all the candidates because all the candidates are like really depending on their vote. You know, there's not very many of them. They really, really want them. So I think that's also interesting. It does. It's like a small pool. It's not like a massive state, obviously. So anyway, that was the Matt Gates heckler. Who do we like? Participation trophy, Ron. Nikki Haley, oil sellout. Or underage Gates heckler. I, I know the, where my heart lies. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I mean, no, you go first, obviously. Okay. Because <laughs> I might, I feel like we're not on the same page, but I might change your mind. You could, yes, you could also give people notes. I'm sure you have them. The last guy, I he was it for me. The only problem is you don't start in the back and keep staying in the back. You got to beeline to the front immediately. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you don't, because they going, like, they're going to stop you. And that's what happened. You walked right into security. You got to walk through, you know what I'm saying? Yes. If yes. You're not, if, when you're walking with this dog, you don't hear white women going, oh my God, what's happening? You're not doing it right. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah, loved yeah. him. He was the best. Oh, he's great. The fact that he like had two stunts, you know, and he has like a blow up doll randomly. And like, you're go you're busting into this like, yeah, sad little dinner and going, here's the underage girl. How many of those people are going to go home and be like, Matt? Gates underage girl like that's right. what they are googling that night if they didn't know the story um I also think that I love the sunrise movement they've been doing great they've been trolling Nikki Haley like crazy which is so good but also 
just jump up on stage. Like, I just need you to like get a little higher. Like, I need you to withstand, you know, even the guy who like tackled Dave Chappelle, like, how did he get that far? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta blend in. You know, you can't come there dressed like a Democrat when you're going somewhere where Republicans are. He needed to also have a knit sweater on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They did. They they have they've tried to conceal themselves. One of them had a sign that said Nikki Haley and then it drops down and said oil sellout. So that that I thought was really creative. But anyway, we love to see it. We love the hecklers for good. Heckle politicians and people with real power, not act, not comedians just trying to do yeah. their damn job and get paid whatever we're getting paid. And speaking of which, everybody go see Yamanika live this Sunday. Um, Comedy Cellar? That was last week. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, damn no, no. It. But you can, you can go to the cellar and check me out anytime. I will be in Ohio on the 20th through the 26th i believe of uh this month so you can see tomorrow you're heading out tomorrow no next week next week what is that the 30th Child, oh yeah yeah that's the 30th that's the 30th Whatever next week is see me next in week. ohio next yes. week in ohio love mm-hmm. it um and where can people find you uh, obviously your your ig blows up yeah i'm at yamanika um, you can find me on all social media platforms, including uh, YouTube and uh, this amazing show that I'm on. And I'm <laughs> that You're I always so wonderful and so gracious. Um, well, if Yamanika ever goes live, everybody, you need to tune into her on IG because it's funny as hell and it's always off the cuff. And I don't not a lot of people could do that and be that funny. And it's usually breaking news that nobody has like written jokes about yet. But you're like on it. Like the Cat Williams thing, as you were saying, like the day that dropped, you were on it. The slap, the Chris Rock, right? You were on it when the World yeah. slap when it's the, when it's the When it's the, the most authentic. And I and I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, Francesca, I admire you in so many ways and, and all the information that you carry. And I always learn. It's so informative and also being funny and uh, just you. a bright light. So thank you again. Oh yeah. Well, we'll hang in when I'm in New York. Okay. Maybe you should come out and do the show live. All right. Um, take good care. Thanks so much. And thank you all for being here. Let's read some comments and fuck off into the evening. Um, it's just Vegas says, and this is apropos on Twitch says, I think comics know more about what's going on in the world than TV anchors. Lol. I mean, at least comics are able to talk about it. I think TV anchors are like, I know what's going on, but I won't talk about it. I'll just talk about what I'm supposed to talk about. Sea fish on YouTube. My package has already come late, and if the Houthis need it, cool. Um, another Brian on YouTube. See you in SF. See you in SF. Get tickets for Saturday too. Um, I know tickets are they're thirty bucks. I get it, y'all. I get it. Um, but come out because it'll be worth it. You've got me. You've got NATO. You've got uh, Daya and Corinda, and they're all wonderful. Um, and I am not keeping the lion's share of that money, just so you know, but you want to support SF Sketchfest because they're lovely and they've hosted us multiple years in a row. So um, Brandy Nuance says, hooray for that kind of sellout. That's exactly right. When you sell out the habituation room, I am a sellout. I, I always will sell out. Oh, also, speaking of places I'm going to be, I can't believe I haven't said this before. I meant to. I'm going to be in Sacramento. Yes, Northern California. Look alive. I know the Bay Area is far for folks. It's a little too far. But SAC, if you are in SAC, if you have friends in SAC, Sacramento, California, only our state's capital. I'll be there at the punchline with Matt Lieb, again, the anti-Zionist comedian crusader uh, that you all know and love. 
Um, he and I are going to be co-headlining on Sunday, March 17th. So that's Sunday, March 17th at the SF Punch, uh, at the Sacramento Punchline. Come out. Do not miss it. I'll put a link in the bio uh, for you guys. Um, Teddy Cool on Twitch. They rigged the primary in 2016 and 2020, so we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's just like, just because he's an incumbent doesn't mean there shouldn't be debates or a discussion, you know, and it would it would actually go a long way and show some amount of, like, fortitude or strength if you had a debate or you had a more of a, an easier process of actually running um you know whether third party or primary candidates and whatnot <sighs> i hate that it's so convoluted uh sweet and dragon thank you so much for gifting five memberships on youtube you're the best have thank you um for your super chat the main character in the strap-on book was george santos <laughs> That's very funny and very, very true. Uh, hi, uh, Jury Guy. It says, hi, Francesca. Love your work. Keep it up. Thank you so much. And also Free Palestine, indeed. Um, let's see. Uh, Melanie Dennis. Dean Phillips is a corporate shill, indeed. Uh, but does he is he a genocidier or genocidier? Um, Maya Spikes just tuned in. Pleasant surprise to see Yamanika. Always a pleasant surprise to see Yamanika. Um, Adam S. Project 2025 is scary. Read, read the forward and got nervous. It is scary, and we're going to be digging into it at the live show, which will hopefully be streamed next week. We will not have a show on Tuesday, but I'm going to try my effing hardest to make sure everybody who wasn't there can watch back. So it is sold out, but you can watch it on my on YouTube, obviously, um, and listen to it as a podcast. There will be audio versions available. So all y'all will not be missing out. Maybe I'll do an early release for the patrons. That could be a fun little boost for patrons. Um, and a big old thank you to you guys. Um, I want to, let's see, Joseph Noto Empire says, BLM came out to get Biden into office, and Biden hasn't done nothing for BLM, including student debt relief. And uh, Lenny Powers, Michelle Obama, 2024. It could be worse. I mean, honestly, she would she would like run with a thing. Christy Z, thank you for being a member on YouTube. Y'all think Gen Genocide Joe could win the Electoral College if the Electoral College wasn't a thing? Like you think he could win by popular vote? I really don't. I think actually he has more of a chance of winning by popular vote than anything else. I mean, reminder that Trump lost the popular vote in both 2016 and 2020. Um a Republican hasn't won the popular vote since what? Since George H.W. Bush? If that, no, early, Reagan? I don't know. Someone knows, not me. But anyway, um, thank you guys so much for all of your comments and your super chats and all your support. And to thank you even more for the patrons at 10 bucks or more, new patrons at 10 bucks or more, and all the big tippers. This is the fart song. Another alliterative name. The EEs are held by Elizabeth Emming. Thank you for becoming a patron. Thank you for your support. And Jeffrey V, thank you for your tip. Looney Tunes 9000 on Twitch, thank you for subscribing. Welcome to the Frantifa. Daisy Dragon resubscribe for one month. Yay, for three years. 36 months. God damn. Squishmallow Dragon gave out a community sub. Thank you so much. Um, and that's it. But you too became a patron. You can hear your name right now. And you could dance it out to the fart song. I'm just... This is how you know it's all silly. This is how you know 
This is ridiculous. This is how you know I'm a comic, you know what I'm saying? See, a few, only a few comics can truly use the fart in a strategic way. And I don't know if you are familiar with the history of the whoopee cushion, um, but it's actually quite revered in um, the comedy community. Anyway, uh, that has been the show. Thank you to Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, and Andy Vasoyan, our editor. We're streaming Tuesdays and Fridays, except for not this Friday. Dude, I might, mm, whew, we will see. Tuesdays and Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. I got to be in San Francisco. Um, uh, not next week, obviously, but we'll we'll figure something out. We'll be back. We'll be back. Follow the show on all the things. Twitter uh, at Bituation Pod, TikTok, and Instagram at Bituation Room. And remember to fight the power, to fuck the patriarchy, and free Palestine. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye. Bye.